ಗೋದೋದಯ ಪುಷ್ಪಂತೋಚಿತ್ರೋಸಂಡೋತಮೋನದಯಚಂದ್ರಜಾಯೃಂದ the supreme personality of godhead shri krishna chaitanya mahaprabhu revealed through his most extraordinary and merciful leela to the extent that god loves his devotee of course there is no extent because the love between the lord and his devotee is eternally and infinitely increasing there is no satiation in their desires to serve one another and to offer pleasure to their beloved Prahlad Maharaj describes this world as a place where unfortunate people are engaging in the process of puna punas charavanta charavananam chewing that which has already been chewed but the spiritual world is that place where pleasure of love in the mood of sweet service and surrender is ever increasing therefore the devotees their burning ambition in whatever activities they do is to glorify krishna the motivation that sustains the heart of a devotee is that intense longing to bring krishna to the hearts of all living beings because he is the greatest of the great and he is the most merciful of the merciful our ambition is to make his glories known throughout all the directions but in the same way krishna who is swayam bhagwan his desire is eternally to glorify his devotee therefore sometimes shri krishna puts his devotee in such conditions 
that are so impossible, that are so difficult, that take such an extent of surrender and faith, that in the end, that devotee is glorified forever in the hearts of all sincere souls. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught that there are four vital and essential qualities to be developed in the heart of an aspiring bhakta. One is humility. One is tolerance. One is continence, or self-control. And the other is neutrality. <clears throat> now, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, <clears throat> when he wants to show the world a lesson, he shows it through his devotee. <clears throat> Just as when the Lord wanted to show the world how a devotee could always remember Krishna under any circumstance of life. He demonstrated it through Prahlad Maharaj. When he wanted to show the incredible, incredible determination required by a devotee, he demonstrated it through Dhruva Maharaj. When he wanted to show the simplicity of how a devotee is the same under all circumstances, never desires anything. He demonstrated through, through Sudama Vipra. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu demonstrated the four pillars of Vaishnav qualities through four of his intimate associates. Humility, in its most unique and unparalleled extent, the Lord empowered into Sanatan Goswami. There are hundreds and hundreds of such examples of the humility of this great devotee. He was such a wealthy man. He was so learned. He was so skillful. He was so popular. In fact, even the king considered him the most important person in the whole world. The king could not survive without his guidance and his leadership. Usually people become proud when they have such qualities. The king looked up at him as the greatest leader and the most affluent, aristocratic man in the social scenario and also the most 
competent, the most dedicated. And yet the Brahmins, they considered Sanatan great saint. Brahmins and sadhus and Vaishnavas would come from all over India to the court of the palace of Sanatan Goswami to, to together hear and chant the glories of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And they would take the greatest pleasure when Sanatan Goswami, who was always anxious to hear from them, when they would convince him to speak. Because his explanations were so full of love and so full of deep, deep realization and scholarship, they would be struck with wonder. And the innocent poor people in the kingdom, they looked up to him as the most gentle fatherly friend. Everybody respected him as topmost. If we do one little good thing and people recognize it, we become proud. Sanatana Goswami, when he approached Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he considered himself lower than the straw in a street, more wicked and sinful than Jagai and Madhai. Although he had all the most exalted qualities, he considered himself insignificant. He never accepted any credit for himself. But anyone who did anything wrong, he would accept the blame. And it is described that when he was living in Jagannath Puri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was at a garden called the Jamala Gardens. And he invited Sri Sanatana Goswami to come to take prasad with him at noon. It was summertime. There was a very nice, cool walk getting there from Sanatan's Kutir. He was living at the um, simple place of the bhajan of Srila Haridas Thakur. Via the Singhadwara gate of the Jagannath Mandir. But Sanatana Goswami would not take that route. Instead, he took the route along the beach. And the sand at midday was hotter than fire. And as he was walking, his feet became all blistered. And when he finally came to the place of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his remnants were waiting. Lord Chaitanya had completed his prasad and was taking rest. Sanatan took his remnants. Maha Maha Prasad. And when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came out, he saw that Sanatan's feet were full of sores and blisters. He said, Sanatan, why is this? How did you come? Did you not come by way of the Singhadwara? said, my Lord, I have come by way of the, the ocean side. But the ocean side sand is hotter than fire. 
And as a sannyasi, you are only with your bare feet. Why? How is this possible? He said, my Lord, he was thinking in his heart, my Lord, if I would have gone by way of the Shingadwara gate, the pujaris are always coming in and out in their service to Jagannath. If they would have accidentally somehow or other touched me or come near me and gone inside, they would have been contaminated as anything and committed a great offense to Lord Jagannath. This is what he felt of himself, so contaminated, so dirty, so low, although he was the highest of the high. Now a materialistic person cannot understand this. This is completely against the grain of modern psychology where everyone is teaching you to build up your confidence and have dignity and pride in who you are and what you do. But you see, in Sanatana Goswami's utter humility, and only in such humility, can you understand and be proud of the glory of God. If you want to be proud of yourself, you should follow the guidelines of modern psychology. If you want to understand the glories of God, then you have to follow the guidelines of Srila Sanatana Goswami and become most humble and feel yourself insignificant. So that is the question. Whether we want to glorify ourselves or whether we want to glorify God. Whether we want to see our own greatness flickering like a match that soon goes out or whether we want to see the greatness of God which is eternally effulgent and ever-expanding. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to show this most incredible quality through his devotee, even more than he demonstrated it in his own life. This is the love of Krishna for those who have given their lives to him. In regard to tolerance, which is an essential virtue for spiritual development. He demonstrated supreme tolerance through Haridas Thakur. As we mentioned a few days back, he was beaten and caned and whipped in 22 marketplaces. He didn't have to. All he had to do was cooperate with the demons, and they would have just let him have a peaceful, happy, material life. But in order to show compassion to fallen souls and to perform the mission of the Lord on earth, he was willing to tolerate any extent of pain and suffering up to a torturous death. And with a smile on his face, he was thanking Krishna, praying for the forgiveness of his persecutors and blissfully chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram. Self-control is an essential quality that must be developed amongst devotees. This quality was 
so nicely demonstrated through Ramananda Rai, who is the empowered representative of Lord Gauranga. Srila Ramananda Rai, in the service of Lord Jagannath, in the Jagannath Balaba Gardens in Puri Dham, he would bring beautiful young girls and teach them how to dance. And he would decorate their bodies with his own hands. And he would teach them all the gestures of the loving emotions of the sakis, the manjaris, and the gopis. It is explained by Lord Chaitanya himself that there is no other man in the entire universe that could be in such an environment and yet his mind and his senses remain completely unchanged because he's so much immersed in pleasing Lord Jagannath through his service that he doesn't even remember that he has a body. In fact, he is Vishaka, the gopi of Brajadham, and he is simply in that spirit, that mood. Such self-control can never, ever, ever be imitated, nor should anybody be such a rascal to dare to. But the extent of how one can be so self-controlled due to being immersed in the loving service of the Lord was revealed by Lord Chaitanya through Ramananda Rai. And neutrality. Neutrality means to be equal to all and to be straightforward in one's dealings. Never try to imitate the great souls but follow in their footsteps. Srila Damodara Pandit, he was so neutral that he would even criticize Lord Chaitanya when he would see he would do something that would be criticized by others. And Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is described, was very much afraid of Dhammadar Pandit. Oftentimes, when devotees wanted Lord Chaitanya to do something that wasn't strictly according to the principles he was following as a sannyasi, he said, first you have to get the permission of Dhammadar Pandit. So you see, by hearing the beautiful narrations of the stories of the devotees of the Lord, we could learn practically everything about devotional service. The Bhagavad Gita teaches us philosophically the path to truth emanating from the lips of Krishna himself. The Srimad Bhagavatam teaches us through the lives of devotees how the path of truth is practically followed and to the extent the devotees are willing to sacrifice everything for the pleasure of Krishna. But it is described that Chaitanya Charitamrita goes beyond even the Bhagavatam because it demonstrates how the Lord and his devotees 
are forever engaged in glorifying one another, one another in pure love and devotion. The books show us the way. But Guru Parampara is very important to understand because it is said you cannot understand the book Bhagavatam except through the person Bhagavatam. Srila Prabhupada would often express his dissatisfaction with the way Christianity was being understood today. That their guru lived 2,000 years ago and most Christians, because they do not accept a parampara, they're always looking in the scripture 2,000 years back for that inspiration. And it's very difficult for someone to find anyone who's following in the footsteps. Therefore, it remains very theoretical. But Guru Parampara means there are living embodiments of people who are adopting these same humble, tolerant, neutral, and self-controlled principles. And when we see such people, then we understand that these scriptures are real and that they are alive. The devotee brings the scriptures into life. That is the purpose of a sadhu. Not that a sadhu shows magic tricks. Nowhere does it say that a Vaishnav is a Vaishnav because he can perform mystic feats. Nowhere does it explain that a great Mahatma is one who simply can speak in a very wonderful way. But a real Mahatma is one who is humble, who is tolerant, who is self-controlled, and who is equal and neutral, a friend to all living beings, does not discriminate. And the living examples are the testimony of the truth of the Shastra. And for our faith to develop, they are essential. And of course, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given the order, Yare de Katari Kaha Krishna Upadesh, Amara Goy Guru Hoy Taridesh. He orders all his disciples to become Guru. What does that mean? Becoming Guru doesn't simply mean giving Diksha. That is one type of Guru. Becoming Guru means becoming the humble servant of the servant and aspiring to demonstrate, according to one's capacity, these qualities in God's service. Whether one is a grihasta, a brahmachari, a ravanaprasta, or a sannyasi, whatever one's classification is in society, brahman, chachriya, vaishya, sudra, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw no difference. He ordered everyone become guru. 
hear the glories of these personalities, aspire for them, follow in their footsteps by humbly serving the great devotees of the Lord. One time I remember someone approached Srila Prabhupada and said, Srila Prabhupada, in the temple I'm living, nobody is inspiring me. And Srila Prabhupada said, well, you inspire them. Our nature is we simply want to take, take, take. But we develop in Krishna consciousness more when we learn to give. Srila Prabhupada was about to leave this world, he indicated the same thing. Now, the mission of my Guru Maharaj is in your hands. He didn't say it was in the hands of one, two, or twelve. He said it was in the hands of all of his disciples, and all of his grand disciples, and all of his great grand disciples. We are never leaders. Anyone who thinks he's a leader is a nonsense. We are always the humble servants. But in our humble service, we must take the responsibility on behalf of our Guru Maharaj to bring people closer and closer and closer to Krishna. And if we can always unite on this principle, that Krishna will forever bless us with his love. And if we can simply make this the paramount desire of our life and put everything else aside. Putting aside means using everything in pursuance of this purpose. Then our lives are perfect by the grace of Krishna. Are there any questions? Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur would say, first deserve, then desire. Desire has no meaning unless we are living, willing to work for the fulfillment of that desire, make sacrifices for the fulfillment of that desire. If you desire to get a graduation degree in college, no one will take that desire seriously unless you go, read the books, do the studies, work to pay the money, take your tests year after year after year. If you're not willing to do that and you say, I desire a degree, 
no one will take that desire seriously. Krishna will fulfill all your desires. But first, Krishna has to take your desires seriously. In the same way, he's telling you how to get the degree of Krishna consciousness. Chant your rounds every day as attentive as you can. Follow the four regulative principles. Associate with devotees. Make sacrifices for the mission of Guru and Goranga. If you wish it, if you desire it, you'll work according to your capacity. And if Krishna sees you're just doing that, just working according to your capacity, whether you're Hanuman or whether you're a spider, an insect, Krishna doesn't care. He just wants to see you're trying your best. And if he sees that, he guarantees 100% he will fulfill that desire. Hmm? Yes? I didn't say a Vaishnav never shows miracles. I said, that is not the criterion of a Vaishnav. Demons show miracles too. When Durvas Muni became angry at Ambarish Maharaj, he performed a tremendous miracle. He took a hair from his head, threw it on the ground, and a fiery monster that had the, that, that had the power to consume the entire world was created. Ambarish just stood there with folded palms and said, Mare Krishna Rake Ki Rake Krishna Mare Ki. Krishna, if you want to kill me, let this demon kill me. If you want to protect me, why should I be afraid of this insignificant demon? Huh? By Vishnu's arrangement, Ambarish did, didn't show any powers. All he did is show humble faith in God. Dervas Muni showed incredible mystic potencies, magic. But Durvas Muni was running from Vishnu Sudarshan Chakra for one full year for his life. And finally he had to come and place his head at the feet of Ambarish Maharaj and surrender and beg forgiveness. So who is more powerful, the mystic yogi or the humble devotee who simply depends on the mercy of Krishna? Huh? Sometimes Krishna may empower his devotees to perform miraculous activities, and sometimes he, he may not. It is not the miracle. It is the quality of devotion and humility and faith. That represents the real qualities of a Vaishnava. Hmm? Jesus Christ performed miracles. But when he went to a town where he didn't have to perform any miracles and they believed in him, he said, these people are best. They don't have to see these tricks. They believe my words. Huh? So Krishna may want to work through his devotee, Madhvacharya also, sometimes did these things. But... 
devotees see that this is an insignificant aspect of these great souls' lives. It was their faith and their devotion and their humility that was the real power and glory of their lives. Hmm? Any other questions? What I want to know is they say that once we show ourselves that we are really sincere enough, once we get the Krishna's mercy, whether the Krishna's mercy will be forever for the whole of a lifetime or whether it might be somewhat the wicked if we are somewhat shaky or somewhat we get the mercy somewhat calm that I'm going to be again in the Krishna reveals his mercy according to how you approach him. If you are ever humbly opening your heart to be the servant of his servants, his mercy will be forever increasing. But the second you think that I am the Lord, I am the master, and I am the enjoyer, then his mercy changes into another form. Everything is Krishna's mercy. Krishna's mercy is all-pervading at all times for all beings. But there are different types of mercy. Sometimes his mercy is he throws you down. Sometimes his mercy is he covers you over. Sometimes his mercy is he reveals himself and reveals unconditional love within your heart. As long as you remain the humble servant, he will always show his gracious, loving mercy upon you in the form of ever-increasing bhakti. But as soon as you think, I am the enjoyer, I am the controller, and you act according to that principle, then he shows his loving mercy by covers, covering you over. and putting the shackles of the threefold miseries of material existence around you, inescapably. Hmm? Is there any other questions? So I think it's getting late. We should take Prasad.